Hey, it's good to be back at Sherwood. Everybody having a good day so far? We're going to have a good time today. I, uh, Michael and Terry are like family. You know, after a certain age, your friends become your family, and hopefully your family become your friends, but sometimes that doesn't work out. But uh, uh, we're going to try to encourage you a little bit today. You know, I'm a psychologist by training, so just a little bit of therapy today kind of gets you a little, maybe take you to the next level. I, uh, I speak around the country. A lot of times I'll speak for these businesses, and they'll have a convention, and they'll have a, maybe a golf tournament for the convention, and they'll say, you want to play in the tournament? And I say, sure, I'd love to get to know the guys a little bit. So they put me with this group, and, and they pair me with some guy who's just awful. I mean, I mean, I've seen better swings on condemned playgrounds. I mean, he's just awful. And, uh, you know, he gets on the first tee, and he just misses, he misses the ball. He misses the whole thing, you know. And then he gets mad and frustrated, and he goes back, and he misses it again, you know. And I'm an encourager by nature, so I, you know, try to encourage a guy. Don't quit now. you got a no-hitter going. I mean, you know, just kind of uh, <laughs> encourage him a little bit. And then he, we start playing the round, and he starts, gets mad and throws his club and starts saying bad words and just just acting awful, you know, and just so mad, veins are popping out. And, and, and the president of the company, he'll, he'll look at me and say, you know, you're a, you're a psychologist. This guy's one of my vice presidents and said, maybe, maybe you can help him. He, maybe he's got so maybe some anger management or something. I mean, he, look at him. He's a, he's a mess. I said, you know what would really help this guy? He says, what? I said, you want him to really be helped? You want, you want him to like change in the way he's acting? Yeah, what? I said, here's what I'll do it. Give him a golf lesson. That'll that'll help him a lot. You see, see, we think we have emotional problems. See, we we thought this guy had emotion. He didn't have an emotional problem. He's a lousy golfer, you know. You get his golf better, his emotions will get better. He won't be mad all the time because he'll hit a good shot every now and then, you know. Uh, People always tell me, I got emotional problems. Most people don't have emotional problems. Now, some of you do, but it's a very small percentage. Uh, uh, you need a plan and a pill, by the way. You, some of, but the rest of you just need a plan, all right? Uh, and, and you have living problems. I, I, these people used to tell me, you know, they're depressed and their life isn't worth living. And in the back of my mind, I'm thinking, if I live the life you're living, it wouldn't be worth it either. I mean, what you're doing is awful. It's terrible. And so we got to figure out how do you act your way out of that feeling because you can never feel your way out of a feeling. You just won't up. So we're going to talk about life today. And we're going to look at it from the fact that you are an ambassador for Christ and the church of Jesus Christ will not grow by promotion but by attraction. You are literally the brand of our Christianity. You're what people see and what they judge Christianity by. Interesting story in the Old Testament. Daniel was in a different culture, a godless culture, and they wanted him to do things that were against God's laws and what God wanted him to do and to have the great life God had in mind for him. Daniel didn't get mad. He didn't get all upset. He was very winsome in his personality. He just turned to the guy and said, hey, look, I know this culture and I know you live this way and you think that's the best way to live. But I have another way of living. I have a God that says this is the best way to live. So why don't we do a little scientific test? We have a hypothesis that that my life would be better than your life, and you believe that the way you live would be better than the way I live. So let's just put it to a test. You just do what you do, and let us do what God tells us to do, and let's just evaluate at the end 
Who's got the best life? Who's doing the best? And that's what they did. And at the end, everybody said, even the king, these guys are 10 times better. 10 times better. Let me just ask you something. You think your life's 10 times better than the pagans out there? (laughs) When they look at you, you say, man, if I could could be that, I'd be 10 times better. No. Matter of fact, some of them think, you know, I'm doing a lot better than they're doing. (laughs) I act a lot better than they got. My marriage is a lot better than their marriage is, you know. Uh, I'm a lot happier than they happy. I mean, I smile every now and then. They never smile, you know. So what keeps us from having that kind of life? Those have heard me talk before. We have a concept called your atom suit. It, it's your body. It's not you, but it carries you around. And your atom suit is what's going to determine whether you have a great life or whether you don't have a great life. And the problem with the atom suit is you can never totally redeem it. Now, the best you can redeem it, the better life you're going to have down here. But you'll never totally redeem it. God's got to kill it to get you into heaven. You understand that, don't you? And you'll never totally, matter of fact, God had to come to live the life that you'll never live to get you into heaven. Okay, so we're not talking about grace. We're not talking about salvation. We're talking about life down here. Interesting story in the Old Testament. Genesis 25, 30 puts it this way. Let me eat some of that red stew, for I am exhausted. You may say stressed out, or man, I just got, I'm just, life's pitiful. Jacob said, sell me your birthright now. Esau said, I'm about to die. Of what use it is a birthright to me? So he swore to him and sold his birthright. So he ate and drank and rose and went his way. Remember the Old Testament? Y'all see it through the Old Testament. The God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. It was supposed to be the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Esau. But Esau could not control his Adam suit. He wanted what he wanted, and he wanted it right now. And that's your Adam suit, and that's my Adam suit. We want what we want, and we want it right now. You see, your Adam suit does not want to, it does not want to engage in gold-achieving activities. It wants to engage in tension-relieving activities. You see, it wants what it wants, and it wants right. It doesn't want to act better. It wants to feel better. It does not want to plan. It wants to pill. It just wants to feel good. And that's your Adam suit. That's my Adam suit. And you might as well learn to deal with it, okay? Because that's going to be the difference between you having a great life or a mediocre life or a messed up life. And so Esau had a chance to have a great life, but he blew it because he couldn't control his Adam suit. Now, here's the key. You've got to believe God's promises in order to practice his principles, You've got to believe that God's life is going to be 10 times better than this life you're living. Uh, If you're not careful, you will think, well, that's the way the world system is. That's why the the Bible's always talking about renewing your mind. You have to constantly think this is God's way, and it is going to work. Now, here's the key. It doesn't work in the short term. The world system works in the short term. You can have this without that for a short period of time. Unfortunately, by the time that that shows up, and it will show up, by that time that that shows up, you're addicted to the this, and you're in serious trouble, all right? 
uh, serious trouble. Uh, it's because the world's a Ponzi scheme. It's always telling you those kind of things. Or the world says stuff like this. Life's like a box of chocolates. You never know what you're going to get. You know, uh, that's the biggest lie I've ever heard. Life's not like a box of chocolates. You pretty much tell me what you're doing, I'll tell you how it's going to turn out. You know, that, that's, you know, uh, your football team doesn't practice all week and shows up for a game. I, I'll tell you how it's going to turn out. You know, uh, it's not going to be good. See? There's certain principles that God put into place that they work. What's her man so? That shall he also reap. See? That, that's the way it works. Now, again, you can get by with it for a while. I mean, you can jump out of a 70-story building. And, you know, 30 stories down, you can say, so far, so good. <laughs> but eventually, it's going to catch up with you. It's going to catch up with you. See? That's the way the world system is. Now, because we live in a fallen world, life is difficult, and it doesn't always happen the way it should happen. Whatsoever man sows, that shall he also reap, happens just about all the time. Because the fallen world, it doesn't happen all the time. And that's why it gets discouraging. See? Uh, I mean, you can, you can plant and get the weeds and have a great crop. Man, you can do everything you're supposed to do. You can have a great crop. First year, second year, third year, man, you're doing good. Barns are getting good. You get, and, the, and the sixth year, hailstorm comes and wipes out everything, and you make zero. Now, you did everything you're supposed to do. But it just happens in this world. By the way, that's why God's going to create a new heaven and a new earth, all right? This world's going to, he can't redeem it either. It's done also. Why? Because it's a fallen world. So how do we make this thing called life work? Remember this. First of all, there's better food in the father's house. You have to believe that. that remember the prodigal son? You will never change. You will never come to your senses. The Bible says he came to his senses. Why? When he realized there's better food in the father's house. You, some of you got some kids now. They're living with the pigs. You know, they, they think that pig life's good, man. I'm going to own everything. I'm going to go live with the pigs, man. You know, they, they didn't plan on that, you know, but that's what happened. Eventually, you know, uh, I won't ever, I won't, remember the prodigal son? I want all you, I own it right now. Give me everything right now. And I'm going to go and I'm going to have fun because that's what your Adam suit wants to do. Of course, by the time the that shows, the this was pretty good. I mean, this, he probably had a good time. But the that was the pigs. And for a Jewish boy, that's as low as you can go, low as you can go. And he, nev he didn't, never changed until he came to his own senses. There's better food in the Father's house. Some of you got some kids living with the pigs. You say, what can I do about that? Absolutely nothing. Let them live with the pigs. They, they haven't had enough pig life, you know. Yeah, they get enough pig life, they'll come to their senses, and they'll come back to the Father. Only thing you do is welcome them back. That's what you do. You welcome them back. You know? uh, so you got to, but that's the basis. The basis of all is there's better food in the Father's house, and in the long term, that's going to be better for me. The Bible calls that a vision. Without a vision, you will perish. Without a vision, you cannot do what you don't want to do right now, you know. And, and by the way, you young people, if you do what you don't want to do when you're young, when you're old, you get to do what you want to do, you know. Now, if you do what you want to do when you're young, then when you're old, you have to do what somebody else wants you to do. That's just the way life works. Just a little therapy for you young people. So I won't charge you any more for that free, free stuff. Uh, so we have to have this vision, you know, and it, it affects your vision will, will affect everything that you focus on. So you can get through the hard times because you know that's going to come. It's, it's, like, a, uh, it's like a baby shower. You, you don't have a pain shower 
when, when, when people are going to have babies, you know, we're going to have a pain shower. Remind you of how much pain you're going to go through. I mean, we're going we're gonna to flash some words on the board like epidural, man. You're going to be screaming for that, you know. And if you don't get that, man, you're going to die. It's going to be so painful. Or morphine. Let's stick that on the board. You're going to be crying out for morphine because it's going to be so painful. Uh, you don't have pain showers. Why? Because nobody have any babies. That's why. You have a baby shower. It is a vision of what will happen if you can go through this pain, see? That's, that's the way life has to work. You have to have a vision of what you're going to do. Some of you prayed for me, and I appreciate it. I had rotator cuff surgery uh, a little over three months ago. And, uh, and, and Michael and I, we planned this trip forever, and last year we didn't go because he had his little cancer thing. And so this year, man, we really, really needed to go, really needed to go. Uh, so... Uh, I, so I, I didn't want to let him down, cause, but I uh, carried a box of books, fell, hit, hit my shoulder, and uh, had to have surgery. Well, I asked the doctor, I said, you know, I got this big thing coming right after Thanksgiving. My buddy and I, we'd been doing this for years. What's the chances of me swinging a golf club? He said, slim and none. I said, no, you don't understand. Uh, I got to have a vision. I got to have a time. I'm not. I'm just not an old man. I, I gotta. I gotta. I can do stuff. Okay. We we can get this done. You know. He he said you're a psychologist, aren't you? I said yeah, I am. He said he said well, he said look. He said when we get to the PT part, right? Especially that third month, it's, we're gonna have exercise. If you do once a day, you do them twice a day. You do them in the morning and the afternoon. You know. And he said it's gonna hurt. He says you're gonna hate my guts. Uh, it's gonna hurt. But if you can do that, maybe in three months you can swing a golf club. Well, I'm gonna, we're going we're gonna to go Bay Hill. I'm going to swing golf club on Monday. Why? Because all during that stuff, if you ever had, uh, you know, rotator cuff surgery, I mean, to raise your arm like that is just hurts. I mean, it hurts really bad. But, see, I'm not, when I'm raising my arm and doing those, these silly things I have to do every day, twice a day, by the way, uh, my vision is Michael and I on that golf course <laughs> swinging that club. Drinking my Diet Coke, laughing about the deacons. You know, yeah, that's, that's what I'm doing. You know, uh, uh, you know. If you don't have a vision out there, you don't get anything done here. You're not. Without a vision, you're going to perish. You see, you've got to have something in the long run that you're shooting for. Okay, so I got to, I'm going to tell you how you do your best, B-E-S-T. And uh, as you know, we probably never finish, but that's okay. B stands for boundaries. Because your Adam suit wants what it wants and it wants it right now, boundaries keep you on the right track, doing and headed where God wants you to do. Now, again, the world's a Ponzi scheme. The world says you don't need boundaries. You need freedom, just self-actualization. You know, That's not really the way the real world works. I mean, I'm, I fly on airplanes a lot because I have to get places and my arms get tired. So I'm on airplanes a lot. And, and I've never been on a plane where the pilot comes on and says, look, that runway is really narrow. And, and, and I, I just want to actualize today and have a lot of freedom. So I don't want the narrowness of that runway. I want to try to put this plane over by the mall closer to my house. You know, you'd go, What? Get that guy out of there. I was on a plane one time, and one wheel got off the runway, and everybody went nuts. 
Why? Because the narrowness of it is the life of it. You see, a train on the track will get to its destination. The narrowness of it is what gets you there. It's the boundaries. Boundaries are really another word would be disciplines. And by the way, when you have disciplines in your life to reach the destiny God has in mind for you, you start to feel the divine in your life. You start to feel God's power in your life because you're headed in the direction that he had in mind when he created you. I call it the power of eternity. At this one lady, she's trying to sell her brother's house, and the guy said, well, are you able to do that? She says, yeah, I have the power of eternity. <laughs> and he said, I think that means power of eternity. Well, you don't really want the power of eternity. You want the power of eternity. You want the disciplines in your life headed toward the destiny that God had in mind when he created you, and that's when you start to feel the divine. That's when you start to feel God's power in your life as you're headed for that destiny that he created you to live. It's like uh, years ago. Uh, there's a guy named Sonny Bono. Anybody old enough to remember that name, Sonny Bono? For some of you, this is going to be like the History Channel, all right? But it's, it's, uh, uh, he was a singer, and uh, he sang with, he and, uh, what's the other lady? Chair, 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 whatever her name was. Uh, black-headed lady. She looked like a chair, but anyway, she, uh, he actually became a politician, if you'll remember, became a conservative politician, kind of crazy. Uh, and, uh, but he was skiing one day outside the boundaries and hit his head with a tree and was killed instantly. It was ironic to me because the very same year, one of those young Kennedy boys was skiing, skied outside the boundaries, hit his head on a tree and died. See, it doesn't really matter if you're young or old, Republican, Democrat, conservative, liberal, you hit a tree with your head going like 60 miles an hour, you're going to die. That's the way the world is. That's the way it, that's the way that set it up, you know. Uh, so when you look back at it, those boundaries were not to keep them from having fun. Those boundaries was to keep them alive so they could have a lot more fun for a longer period of time. That's what boundaries are. Boundaries are things so you can have more fun for a longer period of time. They had this uh, school. They had a great playground. Somebody had donated some money, and they got a lot of good equipment. The highway department built a four-lane highway right by the playground. And the principal looked out the first day, and the kids didn't enjoy any of the playground. They hovered up against the school building away from that road as far as they could get because of, it, was, it was fearful. And, and, and their parents had always told them to stay away from those roads. He said, I can't believe this. i got to do something. Well, he went back. The PTA raised some more money and put a fence all the way around the highway, a fence all the way around the highway. First day, the fence was up. He, he watched. Those kids ran out of that school building and they ran to the farthest length of that playground. They played right up against that fence. Why? Because the fence was their protection. You see, the fence was what was keeping them to enjoy what God had in mind for you. That's why he puts these boundaries around your life. Marriage is a boundary around your life. You know, you know I mean, God made man, and, and in the third chapter, he knew he had to have a naked woman. I mean, that's just the way it happened, you know? And so he said, man, we better put a boundary around that, you know? And so marriage is the boundary around that. And that's, that's, God has these boundaries that protect you. You see, that train on the track 
will reach its destination. That train off the track is called a wreck. That river inside its banks will bring hydration and, and, and commerce and all kind of good things. But that river outside the bank is called a swamp. That fire inside the fireplace will bring warmth and romance and maybe marshmallows. Uh, that fire outside the fireplace will destroy all your hopes and all your dreams. You better put some boundaries in your life in order to get to the destination, that destiny, those disciplines that God had in mind when he created you. So first is boundaries. E is to enjoy what you have. Remember, we come from the Adams family. So the Adams family, Uncle Adam and Aunt Eve, they had everything they could ever dream of except for one thing, and that's the very one thing they wanted. And that's in your Adam suit, and that's my, in my Adam suit. The world system and Satan is always telling you this is what you need in order to be happy. I used to teach a class in Dallas in the Fairmont Hotel called the President's Class. It was guys who were presidents of companies. And the Dallas Morning News interviewed me. And they said, how hard is it to teach all these rich, successful people? I said, there's the easiest people in the world to teach. She said, why? I said, because they've, they're already president of the company. They already know that's not going to make them happy. They already have not one house, but two houses. They got a vacation. They got this house. They, 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 they drive whatever car they want. They get whatever boat they, they, they've got all the stuff that everybody else thinks will make them happy. And they're still not happy. And they're looking for it. You see, that's in us. We always, let me put it this way. You've probably heard me say it before. As a rule, man's a fool. When he's hot, he wants it cool. When he's cool, he wants it hot. Always wanting what's not. As a rule, man's a fool. You know that, don't you? Always thinking, you know, well, it's, you know, uh, it's raining this morning. You know, there's a time when you think, man, I wish it would rain, you know. Uh, and now it's raining, I wish it didn't rain, you know. Uh, it's too hot, it's too cold. That's in all of us, you know. You have to constantly guard against that and learn to enjoy what you have. And now it's even worse because now we got all the social media, you know. We got Facebook and all that stuff, you know. And so you, you, you put your highlights on Facebook. Hey, go ahead and do that. But then you don't compare your heartaches with their highlights. Realize Facebook is the best they've got, all right? Nobody puts the crud on Facebook. I wish they would, you know? This is when Uncle Lou got drunk at the wedding. He's throwing up in the front yard. Isn't that a good picture of the vomit, you know? That... Nobody puts that on Facebook, but let me tell you, that's real life. Nobody has a highlight every day. No, nobody has a highlight every day. Quit comparing your heartaches with those highlights. And the bottom line is this. In the long term, which is the way God wants you to look at life, you don't really know what's bad and what's good. You don't. Remember that Garth Brooks song, Thank God for Unanswered Prayers? You ever had any of those? My college roommate came back uh, freshman year, threw down his books and says, life's not worth living. I said, man, what's wrong? He said, and my high school sweetheart, the girl I thought was going to marry me, has just rejected me. Got that Dear John letter at college. Man, he was down. You know. Maybe that's happened to you. You know, he got rejected in high school or college. Maybe it's the end of the world, you know. And then you go back for that 30-year reunion. 
is that her? Is that him? Thank God for unanswered prayer. You don't know what's bad and what's good. I was preaching historic First Baptist Church, Dallas, Texas. First psychologist ever preached in that historic church. At the time, probably the largest church in the world. First psychologist to preach there. First person with facial hair ever to preach there. Remember, I used to have my black mustache. You've never seen me with my black mustache, probably. Some of you may have. Uh, had a big black mustache. They, they, they didn't like facial hair. They, they pretty much didn't like anything. I mean, it's, if it's fun, you can't do it. If it tastes good, spit it out. I mean, they're real Baptists. And uh, <laughs> so I'm a little nervous. Psychologist with facial hair preaching historic First Baptist Church for W.A. Criswell. I'm doing a series on depression. The first one of the series, I'm a little nervous, you know, talking a little too fast, trying to think a little too quick. And I was given the symptoms of depression. And one of those symptoms happens to be erratic sleep patterns. I did not say erratic sleep patterns. I said erotic sleep patterns. <laughs> I didn't really know I said it. I knew they were laughing, and I didn't know why. But I just kept going. I got home. I listened to the message on cassette tape and could not believe I said erotic at First Baptist Church, Dallas. We were doing the same series at First Southern Dell City in Oklahoma, the five-part series. So I had a lady on the front row, you know, kind of up there where Ken is, and I said, white poster board put up this word erratic big black letters every time I look at you you hold it up because I don't have time to teach you this but you can't not not do anything there's no such thing as self-control because the brain can only think of one thought at a time and if you try not to say erotic you're going to say erotic all right so you got to try to say erratic see you got to be positive about it and so I ever said every time I look at you just hold up erratic every time I look at you hold it up every time I look at you hold it up. and she did great every time I look she'd hold it up time came to say it I said it right came back to Dallas pretty proud of myself finished the series going back to like a tape table back in the back, and there's a long line of people, long line of people. So I'm thinking, man, here I am at Dr. Crucible's church, but they're lined up to buy my stuff, you know, a little prideful there. And the man from the media comes up and says, uh, we have a problem. I said, what's that? I said, see those people lined up? I said, yeah, they want to buy my stuff. He said, not really. He said, they want the tape where you said erotic. <laughs> They want the mess up. They do not want the one that we fixed. And we fixed them because you wanted them fixed. I said, well, we, do we still have the other? He said, oh, yeah, we got them. And I can duplicate them by the hundreds, just like that. Uh, but we've got to have your permission. I said, hey, you got my permission. I'm poor. Sell them. Hurry. Go. Do it. Do it. Do it. <laughs> Became the best-selling tape series we ever had that year. But we got letters from people, and they said, I got that series because they told me it would be funny because of the mess up. And it was funny. <laughs> but then I listened to the entire series. That series changed people's lives. 
Some people came to Christ because they heard that series. You see, God takes your mistakes and makes miracles. God takes your blunders and creates blessings. Remember what I said? It's the power of eternity. It's the fact that when you discipline and do what God wants you to do, then divine starts to intervene. Enjoy what you have. S stands for serve. Serve out of who you are. Most of your stress, most of your difficulty, I'm around a lot of pastors, most of their stress is they're trying to impress people with what they do instead of just serve people out of who they are. Remember, remember Jesus? He, he was about to go to the cross, and he washed the feet of his disciples. I'm a preacher's kid. I used to hear that story and think, why didn't the disciples wash their own stinking feet? I mean, have it, I mean, come on, he's Jesus. Yeah. Well, I think I know because the disciples are just a bunch of preachers. You know. uh, you've been around a bunch of preachers? I mean, we'll be around a bunch of preachers tomorrow. And, and, and a bunch of preachers, they, they, they're just like you, insecure. They'll be talking about what all they're doing. I mean, we had this many and that many, and we got this many, and we built this building, this many, that many. They don't have time to notice stinking feet. They were just talking about what they're doing. But you know what it said about Jesus? Knowing where he came from and where he was going, wash the feet of his disciples. You see, if you know who you are, you don't have to go around impressing people with what you do. You just serve out of who you are. And let me tell you, you'll never be more stressful trying to pretend to be somebody you're not. Never be more stressful. I was booked to do a banquet in Austin, Texas. I got on the plane, and one of my daughters handed me the folder and says, you're going to Austin, Texas to do a banquet. The only thing different about this banquet is they asked if you could sing, and I told them you couldn't. Well, I get on the plane, and I start thinking about that. Later, I found out they called a couple of days before the banquet and said, could Dr. Lowry sing some songs at the banquet? They said no. They called back two days later and says, we'll pay him a thousand more dollars if he will sing two songs at the banquet. They thought about it a minute, and then they remembered how I sing and says, no, he can't sing any songs at the banquet. I didn't know any of this. I just get on the plane. They hand me the folder, and they say they asked if you could sing, and we told them you couldn't. About halfway in the flight, I got to thinking, why would they ask me to sing? And then it hit me. Anybody know who Mark Lowry is? He's a singer. He's an entertainer. He's, he's a comedian. He writes music. He wrote Mary Did You Know. You ever heard that song, Mary Did You Know? I never got that. She didn't know. I mean, why, I don't get it. But anyway, uh, this is a popular song. So uh, I start thinking, surely they don't think they booked Mark Lowry. I mean, that could not be. I get off the plane in Austin, Texas. Pastor shakes my hand, picks up my bag, says, you want me to call you Charles? You want me to call you Mark? I said, Charles would be really good. We start walking to the car, and I start thinking, he just said Mark. What if he thinks I'm Mark Lowry? What if he wants me to sing? I'm starting going nuts inside my mind. I'm not saying anything out loud, but inside, I can't, I can't sing. What, how do I go sing? I, go, I get to the car. He puts my bag in the back. I get in the front. There's a bio sitting on the front seat. I pick it up. It's the bio we send out, Charles Lowry, Ph.D. psychologist. He has to know who I am. He's got the bio right here. He's a 
pastor. He's stressed out. I know how that is. I've been a pastor. Deacon's given him a hard time. That's why Jesus went around healing, doing miracles, and casting out deacons. I understand that. So I thought I'll give him some deacon stress relief techniques, things that helped me when I was a pastor, like put their name on your golf ball. That always made me feel better. Knock them out there about 200 yards. Even if you hit it in the water, it doesn't really bother you that much. I start to relax. Not for long. He turns to me and says, uh, we have a mutual friend. I said, oh, who's that? He says, Larnell Harris. I know you've sung with him all over the country. I said, sir, do you think I'm Mark Lowry, the singer? He says, aren't you? I pick up that bow. Didn't you read this? I'm Charles Lowry, the psychologist. He then looked back at me and said, I thought you were both. Now, at this point, what I wanted to say, and I didn't say because I'm a man of God. <laughs> what I wanted to say, were you abducted by aliens and sprayed with stupid juice? <laughs> I mean, this guy thinks I'm a schizophrenic singing psychologist. I said, have you told your church Mark Lowry's coming? He said, I've told the whole city Mark Lowry's coming. I said, is there a tall building or a cliff somewhere close by? He says, why? I said, so we can jump off. That's why. I says, look, buddy, we're in serious trouble here. I'm a psychologist. I'm not a singer. Take me back to the airport. No fee. Don't have to pay me. No problem. Get me out of here. He says, you're not going anywhere. Have a thousand people at this banquet and you're going to do it. He says, I'm going to take you to the hotel. A staff member will pick you up in an hour. He takes me back to the hotel and it's an incredible hotel. He thinks I'm Mark Lowry. Uh, <laughs> I'm used to speaking for Baptist churches, not yours, because I know where Michael lives, but most Baptist churches are uh, cheap. And so uh, sometimes I'm in a Motel 3. You ever been in a Motel 3? You only get half the Gideon's Bible in a Motel 3. You got to put a quarter in the bed to keep it from vibrating. Uh, I start to relax. An hour later, staff member picks me up and says, hello, Mark. I say, hello. I get to the banquet hall. The pastor's wife meets me out front. There's a thousand people at the banquet. She said, I, I know we've made a horrible mistake. But the pastors talked to some people. They've read your books. They've heard you speak. They say you're funny. He's starting to relax. I said, I'm glad he's starting to relax. I go in the bathroom about every 10 minutes. <laughs> well, what do you do when it's your turn and they're expecting a singer? I got up and said, God is a sovereign God. God looked down and saw your pastor. and God knows your pastor very well. And God thought, that pastor, he thinks he needs a singer. That pastor doesn't need a singer. He needs a psychologist. <laughs> so I'm going to send Charles instead of Mark. Now, I tell that story because that day was probably the worst stress of my life because somebody thought that I was somebody else. Let me tell you about your life. You're going to have a miserable life. If you live your life when everybody thinks you're somebody else, and the church has to do a much better job of letting you be you, right? We don't need divine duplicates. The disciples weren't divine duplicates. He, 
here's the way it works. In church, it's better to look good than tell the truth, you see. Uh, in church, we try to act holy. Let me tell you, let me just do some theology here. I'm not a theologian, I'm a psychologist, but I figured it out almost. <laughs> Most people try to act holy. You can't act holy. You, you got your Adam suit. It's going to mess up every time. You don't have to act holy. You get Jesus' holiness. He gives it to you, all right? You got it, all right? You, and, and when you get the fact that there's no condemnation on you no matter what, then you can relax and work on getting healthy, you see? That, that's, that's why when they go to these 12-step programs at work, a guy will go in there and tell his worst problem. I mean, right off the bat, I'm Charles, and I'm an alcoholic. And what do they do? They clap. Yay, Charles, you're an alcoholic. Why do they clap? Because they know that's the beginning of healing. There's no condemnation there. You see, here there ought to be no condemnation. You ought to be able to stand up and say, I'm a jerkaholic, or whatever you are. You know, I mean, we know anyway you're a jerk. You know, uh, and if you admit it, that's the first step in fixing it, you see. When you face it, you can fix it, you see. And, but that's the key to change, is to realize you're not working to get holy. You're already holy, and once you understand that, then you can spend your time getting healthy, you see. And that's why we have so many Christians out there trying to look holy, and you're as unhealthy as unhealthy can be. I mean, I promise, I've, I've, you know, I've been seeing... Christians all my life in therapy. I mean, it, it, so that's good. I gotta, that's good preaching, but I got to quit there, okay? So <laughs> number T, serve out of who you are. T is, uh, T is tell yourself who you are. Tell yourself who you are. This, this uh, actor got, on a, got in a cab, famous actor, and the cab driver took a double take and says, do you know who you are? <laughs> do you know who you are? You're an ambassador for Jesus Christ. You're in the family business. You know, there's no condemnation over you. You're his most prized possession. Just look at the cross. And once you start to understand that, then you start to change your behavior. When I taught that president's class in Dallas, the first Christmas, we only had about six presidents and their wives to start the class. We ended up having about 250. But we started with six, so they wanted to give me a little present for doing this. So they handed me a gift certificate to this men's store in Dallas for $1,500, and they told me to go buy a suit. Now, this was like 1986, and I thought, I'll buy five suits for $1,500. No, I won't. This men's store had one suit under $1,500. It actually was $1,499, and I had to spend my own money to get a tie to go with it. You know, that kind of ticked me off. But anyway, uh, I remember... The first time I wore that suit, man, was I careful. I mean, I would watch where I walked. I'd watch what I eat. I, I didn't want to get anything on it. You know, if there's a mud puddle, man, I, I'm doing, you know, I, man, I was very aware. And my, my wife called it the president's suit. I was very aware. And it changed a lot of my behavior. Once you become aware, 
you got your Jesus suit. You're his brand. You start to watch what you eat, what you drink, how you act. It affects everything about you, you see. It, it'll, it'll make you start being that healthy person God had in mind when he created you. Now I've got to stop. So let me, just, let me just wrap this up with one last thing. All I've told you, get healthy, do this, do that. You can't do it. You're not going to measure up. God's going to kill your Adam suit to get you into heaven. I promise. Now, the better off you do, the better off you go have down here. But in the end, it's, just, it's done. It's over. <laughs> and then you either win or you lose. Doesn't matter what score is then. Just win or lose. With Jesus, you win. Without Jesus, you lose. It's pretty simple. He won the game. You know, he's, he's, he's the designated guy. He did it for you. You see, here's the bottom line. You never do your best. You just can't. You just can't. That's why God's got to kill your Adam suit. You can't do your best. It's like these uh, two farmers sitting on the porch. And one farmer's dog was chasing a coyote. And the other farmer said, man, your dog is a lot faster than what I thought. You think you'll catch that coyote? He's running pretty good. And the old farmer said, yeah, but he's not doing his best. And sure enough, about 10 minutes later, coming back the opposite direction, the old farmer's dog is out front, and 10 coyotes are chasing the dog. And the old farmer says, now he's doing his best. (laughs) I got good news for you. You'll never do your best. Why is that good news? Because God sent his best. So you can just rest. Hey, give it your best shot. Get your Adam suit due. You'll have a good life down here. But in the end, you win. Just enjoy it. God bless. Let's pray. Father, thank you for our time together. Thank you that you're such a good God and you're our God because of Jesus Christ. Lord, teach us to get healthy, have the best life possible down here, but always remember there's no condemnation on us, that we can actually say our sins and people clap because they've all been taken care of. Thank you for the cross, the biggest plus sign in our life, and thank you that you came to live the life that we can never live so we could be in your forever family. All you ever wanted was a family, and you included us. Thank you for that. There's someone here today that's never trusted you as Savior. Give them the faith to believe, not in a religion or being good or controlling that Adam suit, but that you love them enough to come and live that life that they could never live and die so that they could be in your forever family. Give someone the faith to believe that today. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.